0: everybody. I'm sending a short little announcement ahead today. So the following episode, which is the breakup part two, actually was recorded several months ago, as was part one, in case you've listened to the previous episode. A lot has happened in the meantime, thankfully. And one of those things is that I've started a new job that requires me to work quite a few more hours than I was used to. And as most of you know, this podcast has been more of a hobby than anything else. I've never had any sort of financial support or even asked for financial support for it. So for now, I'm going to go on a little bit of a hiatus. But don't worry, as soon as my batteries are a little recharged again, I'm happy to reach out to you and hopefully gather some more really juicy and fun conversation topics when we get there until then enjoy this episode and let me know how and if it worked for you sending lots of love hey everybody welcome back to another episode of bitch breathe my name is ricardia today we're going to continue our conversation about breaking up this is the second episode for that particular topic, if you like, you can go back and listen to the previous episode, but you can also just listen to this one as they do speak about the same subject, but they don't necessarily um, build upon each other. So today I want to talk more about the feelings or how to get through the feelings of the breakup. In the last episode, it was more about tools to really get through it on a day-to-day basis, maybe some very concrete actions we can take to accompany us through this time. But in this episode, I'm going to be focusing a little bit more on what we do with the inner world while the breakup is happening. But first of all, I did have some more tools that I wanted to share with you that I thought were of a very practical nature, but very helpful to me. So this one might seem very obvious, this tool number one, which is get out of the house. For me, when the breakup first occurred, it seemed very natural to stay at home all the time because, I mean, who wants to walk around with a crying face all the time? And I constantly looked like I had just cried because I had. And I didn't want to be out. I didn't want to be exposed to other people's energies and emotions and In fact, when I was, it would often happen that I would cry in public. I've mentioned this at another time in one of my episodes that I would have rather like shot myself in the foot before then get caught crying in front of people or in any public place. But that would happen a lot and I would just fall apart all the time, and didn't want to really get out of the house. But the truth is getting out of the house totally switched up the energy, because of the distractions, because of these other people. And I was so grateful to have a job to go to sometimes, because we would talk about things that had nothing to do with what I was going through in my life. And even if the subject did come up, I always found that I spoke to people who really got it, who said things that I never knew about them I remember specifically, I work as a voice artist a lot also, and I remember speaking to the owner of this voiceover studio, and I had known this guy for years, but somehow we got to talking about breakups, and I mentioned that I had just gone through mine, it had only been a few months, if that. And suddenly he was saying all these things that I thought were so compassionate, and I saw this whole new side of this person, someone I'm professionally only connected to. And I thought, Jesus, what a gift to be this vulnerable with other people because it turns out it's okay and you're probably safe. And that does bring me to my second point, the vulnerability. I have to say, if there's one prize, and there have been many, 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 but if there is one prize of breaking up and becoming so raw, and so emotional, it was a newly found vulnerability for me. Um, I've been raised in a rather strict fashion, and in a Christian tradition. So you pull yourself together by your bootstraps, or whatever that is. And you don't let people know you're hurting. You carry yourself well. My grandmother was an incredibly elegant lady. And would have never, she wouldn't literally been caught dead uh, showing um, tears in a public place. So for me to become that degree of vulnerable, which wasn't voluntary, but was definitely there, was a real gift and one that I've cultivated and tried to maintain even all these years after this specific breakup. And that really, really opened up new friendships, perspectives, and it gave me Another reason to live. Um, when this breakup occurred, I really was kind of stuck for reasons to go on. I wasn't suicidal in any way. I, would, um, I don't think I'd ever consider that, especially because I'm a mom and, and a daughter. Uh, but I, I will say that there were some very, very dark moments when I didn't see what's the point here. Really, what's the point? If all I'm waiting for is more pain and age on top of everything else, then I I don't know what we're doing here. So vulnerability was really a way for me to engage in new ways with life and the people that populated it that I cannot overemphasize how good that was. So newly gained vulnerability. I'm a huge fan. And if you're still not convinced, do please, I've mentioned her before, listen to Brene Brown on that particular subject. Tool number three, a little more on the mundane side, but very, very important to me. I started to devour a certain kind of literature genre, of course, and what else would it be but the genre of grief and letting go and separation. And to be honest, I even read books about people whose spouses had passed on, had actually died. And not to compare these two mm, experiences in any way, but the loss of this person, I believe, that the dynamics that then step into place, the emotional um, web of, of um, Uh, aftermath, if you will, this whole web of of what happens next and how that is in context with other things. It's it's very similar, I think. I, I will speculate there. And so I, for example, read Sheryl Sandberg's book on when her spouse suddenly died. And I read, what else was it? I'll probably pop it in the show notes, but Pima Shodron, I think that's how you pronounce her name, When Things Fall Apart. And there are a bunch of other books uh, that were really, really helpful because with heartache, we all often feel, or maybe this is just me, but I don't think so, that we're alone with this, that nobody could possibly, possibly understand the pain that we hold in these little physical bodies of ours. And to read about Other people who had gone through this was so comforting and so helpful. And the language that they found around it was also helpful to me because sometimes I literally was lost for words. Um, The emotions that were going on were so big that I thought, how am I going to explain this? This is a a thing, a, a monster in some ways, certainly a living organism. And I don't even know how to label that. So reading these books was really, really helpful to me. And that said, this brings me to tool number three, is to redirect the energy, and reading those books was part of that, redirect the energy into other relationships. So in the previous episode on this issue, I talked about how my friendships deepened so significantly that there was no comparison with the before and after their level of engagement was was such a different one. And um, to this day, I've also really tried to maintain this kind of depth with my friends, that if anyone is bullshitting their way around a difficult subject, we call each other on it. Gently, depending on your friends, they might not all be gentle. Um, Mine aren't, and maybe I'm not either sometimes. But to really dig deeper when we notice there's something else that you're not saying or something else that you haven't identified yet. And so redirecting all this energy that now has been freed up because this other, if it was that kind of relationship, best friend and confidant is now gone and no longer available to us. And the most important relationship, you probably guessed it, that you're going to direct this energy into is the one towards you. I don't think there's any way to over stress this point. There are so many levels and aspects of my personality, of my way of doing things that I did not even know before this breakup happened. Keep in mind I'm I was in relationships for most of my adult life there were very short periods only of being single so I don't think I had a full grasp of who this person is that I was now confronted with 24, 7. And let me tell you, I was not amused with what I saw. I, I didn't like myself at all. I did not like myself at all. I couldn't stand the sound of my voice complaining and grieving and, and raging all the time. I couldn't do anything with my time even in some ways because now my son was also fully grown. So who am I without this marriage and um, roles that surrounded that, you know, the sexy wife, the wife that cooks, the wife that has a career, the wife with the child. I had so defined myself by this previous relationship that when it fell away, I was like, I'm sorry, who is this person? And sometimes I would look at myself in the mirror and of course there was a lot of grief there, so I didn't recognize myself sometimes and um, lost a lot of weight and everything, but it wasn't just the appearance, it was also this recognition if you will this recognition that there is someone here i don't know so well so again redirecting the energy towards ourselves it's so so important because i mean you you've read this in all the books this is the longest relationship you're ever going to have is the one with you so how have we or maybe I should really speak of myself in this one. How was I not capable of spending time with me at age 40 something? And then of course, I got upset about that. Because of course, I should be further in my personal development. After all, wasn't I a yoga teacher? Shouldn't this look a whole lot more adulty, and um, in control? And you know, just knowing, just knowing how to do this. And the truth is, I didn't. And so part of redirecting the energy really became to re-meet who I was. Tool number four. I kind of touched upon it just now with the yoga teacher. As a yoga teacher, and therefore a breath specialist, if you will, I thought that I knew how to get through this in a way that looks composed, spiritual, and overall just really, really book-worthy right? Like this narrative should have been so conscious. And the truth is, it was not at all. Yes, I had my yoga. And yes, I had my breath exercises. But you know what I had a whole lot more of was judgment. I judged myself harsher than any person could have possibly done. Especially that (laughs) ex-partner. who Who felt very judgy towards me, um and yet I beat him to it, right? I was so judgy, I thought this should have been so much better as a yoga teacher, and it wasn't because I just needed to find a new way to deal with um who I was and and living alone. So I don't know which tool I'm at now, but I want to talk about the living alone and the grief. To be honest, and I understand that this is a privileged situation to have been in at that time, I don't think I had experienced grief at that level before. Because I don't think I had allowed to experience it at that level before. But in this case, I had no longer the option to choose to compose myself and carry on or to grieve and fall apart because the latter just happened. Mm, I remember sometimes, and I've I've mentioned this before in another episode, the grief was so strong or the pain was so, it's hard to find a word for it because it was, it was like this extra presence in my body. There was Ricardia and Ricardia doing her life and um, Ricardia who had just broken up with her, her husband of 11 years, but then there was this whole other being and it didn't have a name. It it just would find physical ways of manifesting. Um, I can only use a, a very mundane example. I was at the supermarket and I was trying to pick some food for myself. And I remember I started crying right then and there because I didn't need so much food anymore. I wasn't shopping for a family. I was shopping for only two people one of which was my son and he was often gone so it was a lot less food that i needed and suddenly this became a very big deal that i was not shopping for 3 people anymore and i just started crying and then i of course very speedily made my way out of the supermarket and got home and i had only just walked through the door when i just i just sort of collapsed onto the floor with the the one orange, the one lemon or whatever it was I had bought just sort of spilling out onto the ground and me lying somewhere among my groceries. <laughs> it's, um, it, it, it's somewhat funny to me now, but um, that's what pain and grieving looked like for me. That's how it would manifest. I could not point it out. It would just occur in day-to-day transactions that suddenly made it very clear that I was without my partner. Here I was at a loss of words of my v- favorite, favorite person, apart from my son. And I, I didn't know what to do with the pain and the grief. But I guess what I want to say about it is that that's all there. And we don't always have to know our way through it. We don't always have to know how to describe it But it's okay to sort of fall apart and move through these very complex emotions. And they will look so differently for many of us. But then there's also universal aspects to it. I'm hoping a lot of you... Well, I'm not hoping that you understand it because that will mean you're going through it or you've gone through it. So I don't wish this on my worst enemy. But I hope that we can relate to each other, that this is what happens and that it wants to be dealt with, that pain and grief are this... I always called it the pain monster. Eckhart Tolle, I've mentioned him before, calls it the pain body. I certainly felt that. And the way for me to to move through it was to allow it to move through. So that even if I couldn't um, say anything about it, I let myself cry at the supermarket. I let myself fall on my, door, on my floor in the apartment. I let this monster, if you will, travel through me. And I could just make sounds. I couldn't put it into words. I couldn't do a decent meditation. Um, I couldn't do anything. But what I was able to do, and maybe this is helpful for you, is to just lie down on the floor and be carried be carried by the surface beneath you by gravity and by the fact that you are still here that you are physically still here you feel diminished by the pain you feel smaller with the grief, and you just want to shrink away from life, shrink away from not being able to buy groceries for a family, or going to the bank teller and letting them know that no, there's only one name on the bank account now, whatever it is, but let it move through you and know you are carried, and you will be all right. Because you will, you really, really will, if you are able to allow the full set of emotions of grief and pain to come through you. So I've lost track a little bit of what tool I was at, but sometimes I think that's a good sign because then I know I'm (laughs) really connected to you guys. So another emotion that came up for me in no ambiguous way was anger. Now, this one was a lot easier for me in some ways than the grief and the pain because those sort of paralyzed me at times. But anger, anger was a was a verb was emotion and action and anger. (laughs) Anger got a lot of space from me. At first, it didn't because I didn't know how to be fully angry because I was so sad. I thought, well, I'm sad, sad, sad. That I don't really feel angry. Ah, but anger caught up with me. And I had this wonderful um person that i know and she said if you don't know what to do then just roll up the bed covers like into a really tight roll pretend this is your ex get a a a big stick like from a mop or something and then just keep hitting that roll that that sort of um shape that you've made there. And so that's exactly what I did. I busted out ACDC, which I don't listen to that frequently, but they have this song called Thunder, I think. And um, it's, I can only recommend this. ACDC is the way to go. And I just kept hitting the shape over and over because the anger too became so big. And yet it's a verb, like I said, so it needs to move, it needs to do something. And that's what I did. I would just be screaming all the things I had wanted to say to my ex-partner that I didn't get an opportunity to, and I kept hitting that that roll of bedding until I was exhausted and just collapsed onto the bed itself. And that felt so good. And that was one way of dealing with the anger. That's more the physical side to me. The other one was longer lasting and much more complex. And that was that I started to get really, really angry with men in this case as a species. And that was not so pretty, because there's an aspect of bitterness there. And we all don't want to be that aging person who gets bitter. But it happened to me. It really did. I was no longer able to have a conversation about heterosexual relationships in this case without saying that men just generally always fuck it up. They've been raised to be assholes. They don't know what they're doing. They're so unconscious and they have a completely different ethos from us, meaning they'll just walk away. They'll walk away from their families and they'll walk away from you like you never meant anything. This was my narrative. And this is what I got mirrored for those years because I did spend a good two years, I think, being incredibly angry. And the only person suffering was not my ex-husband, which is what I really wanted. <laughs> Sorry, not as holy as I would like to be. Um, I was hurting because I couldn't engage with men without thinking, oh, please. We all know what you're going to do or we all know what you're like. I had such a cliche of the bad man in my head and in my heart that I could not get out of. And this, this was harder to step out of than the grief. Interestingly, long after the grief and the pain had gone or they hadn't obviously or the anger wouldn't have still been there, but they seemed to be gone or their immediate impression on me had started to dissipate. But the anger, I couldn't shake it off. I was noticing it. I was noticing how ugly I sounded, how ugly I thought I looked when I talked this way. Because it really is, it is ugly after a while when you're so bitter and so full of prejudice towards 50% of the population. I mean, think about that. Every second person, technically, you meet is an asshole in your mind. That's a lot of assholes in one in one world. And so how how do you move through this? And it wasn't helped by the fact that I had rebounded with someone who was a replica in some ways of the person I'd been with. This person wasn't a mean narcissist, like how I felt my my uh, ex was. He was just sort of the nice kind, but he also couldn't care that much for you. And so I um, wasn't helped by the fact that he also behaved badly with me. So... It took me a long time to figure this out. And I'll tell you, in the end, it wasn't me who fixed my perspective there. The person who actually fixed it was my son. He said something that was so incredibly honest, and I know it was very brave of him to say this to me. And it was very painful to hear. And I felt so ashamed that my then 19 or 18, 18 or 19-year-old son had to say this to me, but say it he did. And he said, Mom, do you think it's helpful that you keep hanging out with women who are in your spiritual set? (laughs) And who are also very disappointed by men, I don't think I don't think you're going to meet anybody new because you're so angry, all of you all the time. That was hard to hear. Me, angry, the yoga teacher, the one who who knows better, who knows all about the toxicity of anger, me, deep cut into my ego. And I felt so ashamed in that moment, because I knew the loving place this comment was coming from. And so I knew its truth. And that was, oh, yes, it was sobering, to say the least. But it propelled me forward. It really did. Because For somebody, for your child to speak so authentically and lovingly to you about the fact that you are being 10 types of bitch at this point, that made an impact. So if you also notice that you're holding on to this belief that no one is ever going to be different from the disappointing ex that you might have had, know that it's not true. It really isn't. There are, and this I discovered afterwards... And I had seen it before in my life. Let's face it; I just didn't want to pay attention to them. But there are really some wonderful, wonderful men out there, and um, I'm lucky enough to date one of them as I speak. So I know that my perspective after this conversation had shifted. I know that I started to pay attention to a different kind of man, whereas before I seemed to have looked at a at a certain. Energy, I had now shifted things around. So, stepping away from the anger, ceasing to be locked into it, really was another game changer. Certainly for me personally and who I was, because now anger no longer resided here, but also for my dating life. Uh, this really freed me up to look at some very, very different men. It was really, really helpful. And even if dating isn't immediately on the horizon after a breakup, eventually, eventually we do want to engage again, and we do want to put ourselves out there. And I will probably have a whole episode on how we can return to dating after we've lost somebody, after we've lost the trust in relationships or in people, and after we've broken a certain pattern of dating a certain kind of person. So that was the second episode on the breakup. I think I could have a whole podcast (laughs) just on how to deal with breakups. Um, Until then, stay well, stay good to yourselves, and hopefully we'll hear each other soon.